Contending in prayer to pull down the impossible miracle today on Tales of Glory. Welcome, Tales of Glory listeners. I'd like to welcome back my four listeners and two dogs. It's great to have you guys back in this uh, summer break. I know I've been off and on doing research. Um, so much stuff's going on here. I have about three research projects I got going on for future Tales of Glory podcasts. Plus everything else going on in my life, remodels and just getting back from um, Florida and getting back from Texas. I think I shared with Texas last time, too. That was kind of fun. Got to hang out with them. Got to hang out with uh, the two ladies from the Shift podcast. They run a ministry called um, Gather the People, and they're musicians and creative people, and they go into dark environments and open the atmosphere with incredible worship music and open the heavenly realms above them and have encounters with people in the lands they go to. So it was really cool hanging out with them. I was really fortunate to hang out with um, Megan and Derek Wright. I know uh, Megan is the founder of Gather the People. Um, both those are amazing people. Her her husband was outstanding. So. I don't know if he's listening or not, but big salute, man. I got another brother in Christ I need to reach out to. You're awesome, Derek. Um, and we had some mishaps happen, too. Um, when the enemy tried to attack me, and he was he was dead on there, man. It was it was cool. But, you know, we go to these places, go to dark places, the enemy tries to disrupt stuff. But I'm going to go more into that because it kind of curtails what we're going to be talking about today, about contending for miracles. My first book... Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare, the subtitle was Pulling the Impossible from the Heavenly Realm. And I didn't know I was supposed to make subtitles. I was a new author, and somebody made that one for me. I thought it was kind of clever and awesome, but I didn't know it was also be kind of prophetic about what my ministry would look like. God kept throwing little tidbits my way. It just goes to show when we, you don't know what your ministry is going to look like when God puts you, drops you into something like this. Um, pulling the impossible from the heavenly realms. What does that look like? I think I went blindly then. I'm probably operating blindly now on what that looks like, but I want to go deeper into this and what that means. I know I got accused. Um, when the Field Guide Spiritual Warfare came out on Amazon, somebody goes, oh, Mike's, uh, what he says in this book about spiritual warfare is great and all, and it's true, but he's a word of faith person. And it's like, What? <laughs> I get labeled as Word of Faith. Yeah, I was ministering alongside a lot of the Bethel people, which are Word of Faith, um, but I wasn't Word of Faith. Like I said, my background is in computational physics and mathematics and uh, computer engineering and computer software engineering. So I'm not a Word of Faith person. I'm more of a person who my brain's radically on fire, but I have to process a lot of stuff in my brain too of what's going on. And I'm not one of those people as you'll know, I don't go to the heavenly courts. I don't part, um, petition angels. Um, I'm more on what you've learned before. I'm more of the St. Teresan contemplation person where Jesus dwells in my heart. Now, if I have to deal with something, I go directly to Jesus. Directly to Jesus. Cut out the middleman. Why would you deal with anything else? I don't need to go to court. I don't need to go to heavenly court. I got Jesus. I don't need to, you know... I mean, whatever works for you is fine, but I like keeping things simple, and Jesus is the go-to man. Let's talk about contending for miracles, really hard miracles. My ministry, one of the, I hate to say it, mission statements, because I think that's more corporate and kind of lame. I don't like, like that, but if it were a mission statement, it would be 
we are a ministry that assists others in areas where they have nowhere else to turn in spiritual battles. And it got to the point, too, where God wanted me to stick to the guns in that and have me pull off all my websites and places of how to directly contact me, mainly because it was the, the occult was overloading it and doing horrible things in my email and stuff. So I, I pulled the emails off everything, but also, too, it forced us deeper into that mission statement. We're only going to handle the cases where nobody else has anywhere to go, and it's a dead end for them. Case in point, I want to talk about this one now, as in contending for difficult miracles, where no one else has anywhere to go. What does that look like? I was reached out on this particular case about probably, I know before I left for Texas, I remember these people sometimes, probably about two months ago? Yeah, about two months ago. See, what I would put it in probably May. Um, somebody actually reached out to one of the other co-pastors I worked with um, in counseling, Tony, and this person described their, their situation. Hey, look, we have an older daughter who was off in college, and she had her housing was off campus, and it just so happened the off campus housing. She, this girl was, you know, total Christian, hear from God, all sorts of great stuff, very prophetic, and so she ended up in this, um, you know, off campus housing that was run by a coven. And we believe during that time, too, that she was programmed and accessed. And for the life of me, of all stuff, ritual abuse things I've worked with, I don't know how they did this to an adult. This is something new we're dealing with. But anyhow, they had been through the medical doctors. Her, her you know, something shut down. Um, we didn't know if it was trauma, fear, psychosis, dissociation, what it was. But she had a total shutdown from being a total healthy person. A few months, it was almost like a, I don't even call it a mental breakdown because it didn't look like that either. This was just weird. Something was happening that was supernatural, and we believe it was from the enemy. And this person completely shut down from going to a fully functioning, brilliant college student to someone was almost invalid. And they were there in and out, checking in and out occasionally, and then checking out for very long periods of time mentally. And so I was brought into it because Tony Redford this person over to me. Like I said, I don't, she knew how to find me. So this is how Jesus works in this, this ministry because I like keeping it this way that I only want the people who have nowhere else to go and have exhausted all resources and they need to contend for a miracle, a supernatural miracle. So this individual's father was referred to, from Tony to, she gave my phone number and referred to me and we had a discussion. I go, yeah, I'll come out and take a look. And I wasn't quite sure from the situation was like, was it, some rituals where this person was demonically possessed because they exhibited some symptoms of it, but it wasn't that. Was it ritual abuse? They exhibited some symptoms, but we couldn't completely identify it as that because worst of all, this person wasn't talking. On occasion, maybe, maybe once or twice a week, she used one word or something for something she needed, and that was it, and then shut down again. And so for me, in order to work with something that was ritually abused, I would have to have them to be able to communicate to me. And this person wasn't communicating. They drift in and out and they drift into a stare. And I was like, okay, what is this now? Is this dissociation? Is psychosis? It was it demonic possession? Because we had one, I'll call it identity or part of the stare, stare me down. But I could feel, and I did some testing to it, it wasn't demonic. It was just 
an identity, right? A personal identity, something fractured. But it wasn't talking. The part wasn't talking. So what do we do? I had my confidence that if there was something here, we could work with Jesus and see if we can get this person to at least start talking to us, find out what's going on. So this person hadn't talked in probably since, well, it was been six months, and I was probably brought into it, excuse me, I was probably brought into it about five minutes of this individual who was no longer communicating, just kind of going these stairs, going these rocks. It looked borderline psychosis, like, what is this? What are we dealing with? The psychologist had given up. The psychologist thought the only thing we could do is just medicate the heck out of this person, and it wasn't helping. And so that's where we were. And so the the parents living with this individual knew they we got to contend for a miracle. We need somebody to come alongside with us and help us, in it, whether it's spiritual warfare or whatever it is. So I went out and met them, and I met this individual. It was a you know incredibly amazing young woman, but she was totally shut down. And off and on, I kept seeing some trigger words I used when I used Jesus, which kind of alluded to there may have been some ritual abuse going on and programmed and triggering certain words like Jesus. But I wasn't 100% certain. This is something totally different than I've ever seen before. In fact, three years prior, I had worked with somebody else that was ritually abused from a child up through voodoo. And the person doing the voodoo locked down all the parts so they wouldn't talk. Okay, I've seen something like this before, and I worked with somebody, and it took about two months to get the parts to start talking and have confidence to come up and, and talk to me. So, okay, I've seen this kind of before, but you walk in this thing, goes, I, you know, you have no idea. It's with the Holy Spirit. Like, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do? Show me what we do. How, what are we supposed to do with this? And I just talked to that person and prayed with them like they were present, even though they weren't, they were checked out. But Little by little, we got a little response, and the person would come up and be present for a little bit. And like I'd worked out with the um, voodoo person, I had a technique I worked out, and I want to discuss it here because I don't want it locked down, uh, how they could communicate with me when they couldn't talk. And so this person kind of responded to that, not wholly, and it took a while to go, okay, so the core person inside is responding. If it's psychosis or dissociated identity disorder or what's going on or trauma or severe trauma, the core person inside is trying to communicate with me, which, okay, this is a plus. So like I said, when I go into these battles contending for a miracle, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I don't even know if the outcome is I'm going to be effective. And I approach it as such. I let people know I'm not a doctor. I'm a, I do counseling ministry. So I approach this. Um, and all I could do is come in and just, I could... Pray for healing, pray for response, and do ministry through counseling. And that's the best I can offer. And we'll see what happens from here. And so I always paint it that way, like, oh, you know, Jesus is going to totally give you a miracle. You know, I said, I'm a recovering charismatic, right? That's what they always did. Like, they bring these poor people into these healing sessions. Go, you're going to get healed. You're going to get healed. We don't know that. We have the expectation of somebody getting healed, but... I've had greater success in working with people, letting them know, like, we don't know. Look, I'm, we're going to give us a shot. I don't know what's going to happen. But I, you know, and if the person is alert mentally and they participate with you and they're pushing for their healing too, most likely you will see a healing. But a lot of this stuff is tough. When you're contending for a healing, you don't see a healing instantaneously. Remember, all other avenues have failed. Pastors have failed. I'm not saying they were failures. But whatever got them to this point, and the state of desperation, 
the medical system failed them. Um, you know, so I'm saying is it all converges down to it requires Jesus to do this. Jesus, are you going to perform a miracle? Are you going to help us with this? How is it going to look? You know, and it's, it's a very different style of praying. It's way different from what I learned. Sometimes I kind of roll my eyes at the charismatics, like how they, they pray for healing. It's like, that's not how you do it, <laughs> you know? I'm not saying I know how to do it. I know how to pray and stuff, but it's just you can't give false expectations to the person you're praying for. You're going to walk out of here today. Like, you don't know that. It's like, look, Jesus loves you. And I always tell him that. I'm t- you know, and I'm talking with Jesus right now. And maybe I'll give him some prophetic that Jesus only, Jesus knows about them. And I was like, but yeah, I'm talking to Jesus and we're contending with the healing right now. He's present too. He didn't do this to you. It was the, Satan. The thief comes to steal and destroy. So don't be blaming God right now. He's here to work with you. And we go with the expectations of learning to trust God. A lot of my ministry, as I told you before, is I work with people and teach them about trusting God. Faith comes easy, trust comes hard. How much do you trust Jesus? How far do you trust Jesus? I've been in some really dark environments where I've had to trust Jesus, right? You have to. And in church, we don't know how to trust Jesus. Whenever something goes wrong, we go off to the deliverance minister, help me, help me. Because we don't know how to pray in church. We're not taught at church. And my big word is narcissist at the pulpit. We have a lot. Not all churches. I know a few good churches and a few good pastors. And they're like, oh my God, thank you for teaching these people how to pray. A lot of times, those churches don't have big issues like all these other bigger churches where there, there is a narcissist at the pulpit because a person doesn't know how to pray or talk to Jesus themselves. They're spoon-fed, and they're spoon-fed these experiential things happening. They're probably not real. They're more psychosomatic than experiential. So when... We go and contending for a healing, like the Word of Faith guy says. Well, Mike, Mike's Word of Faith, because I pray over people, I expect a healing. I know Jesus. I mean, I'm not just blowing smoke when I go through all the St. Teresa of Avila stuff. That is where my heart's at. That's why I love her so much. Her theology is to constantly have Jesus present in you. And you need to know that and understand that if you're fighting for a healing for yourself or you're contending for a healing for somebody else, you have to trust Jesus, and Jesus is always present. So we can go back and forth, have questions. I'll go for walks in the afternoon with Jesus. Like, Jesus, okay, I totally don't know what's going on here. Please help me. Please, Holy Spirit, please guide us in the right direction of what's going on. And it's usually conversations um, with Jesus like that about, hey, what do we do here? I don't know. I'm, I'm listening. I have not a clue. I'm just, you know, Jesus, you, you created this person in the womb. You know, you, you know what they're going to be. You know every hair on their head. You know, it's like, you know this person. Help me out. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's going on, but help us. Help us get to a place for healing, right? And that's what my, my prayers sound like. And I let the people know, too. It's like, you know, I don't walk in, well, hey, I have a miracle healing ministry and all this other stuff. You know, it's not like that because I don't know. If everybody is not on board, usually there isn't a healing, I mean, like, like times I work with people, and I always let them call me back. If they don't call me back, I don't pursue them. If that makes sense, I'll let them drop out. Maybe they weren't ready for a healing yet. Maybe they'll come back in a year or two years like, hey, remember what we did before? I think I'm ready now, right? Um, maybe Jesus didn't give them the place ready for the healing. It's, 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 it, there's so many factors there that God's a mystery. We can't fathom them all. But I've seen lots of miraculous healings. So getting back to this one with this young lady, so... We had a phone call with the parents, I'd say back on Monday night. 
of this week. And this is what, this is Wednesday, July 26th. So it would have been what, uh, 24th, July 24th. And where I was telling these people, hey, you know, I know we work in miracles. We're contending for a miracle, but we also need to discuss this person's health. Do we have contingency if something should go south? Like what's our medical plans? What's in place to help this person if it goes to where it comes totally chaotic and we're no longer able to assist this person and give them their needs or they, you know, or something, something, something goes south. What is our contingency plans to get them medical attention, things like that? That had to be in place. We had those phone calls and then I'm saying, I told me, likewise, I'm not giving up on this miracle thing, but we need to be aware of this person's state that where we're at right now with things, what happens if the mind goes in the wrong direction and we need something in place to medically tend this person, like, you know, a catch net, a safety net. We needed a safety net in place. So we discussed those options too. And it's, so Tuesday I go out there and this is like Tuesday the 25th, the next day. So that was a preparatory call. We discussed things the night before. And Tuesday I go and meet the dad and we, we go in and we do prayer ministry and the dad's going, well, she's, she's asleep. And I don't, think she's going to wake up for the session. I go, oh, that's, that's perfectly fine. Because the Holy Spirit told me right then and there, like, hey, I think we'll be able to talk to all the parts while she's sleeping. So whoever is inhibiting her from talking, we could probably make some headway and see if a, you know, an identity or something, if we're, if we're dealing with identities, will come up and talk with us. So while she's asleep, I just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, we're, we're using listening prayer. Holy Spirit, let us fall into place. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to bring up any parts or identities we need to work with. Preferably a part that will talk and interact with the parents and because we haven't heard this person talk. You know, help us out here. Can we get a presenter? That's another identity type person that will come up and help us during sessions. A presenter that will talk is not afraid of if there was ritual abuse or something going on. We don't know this yet. We haven't established it yet. Fingerprints are there, but I can't leap there until I have the person tell me the story themselves. And so... The person was sleeping. I was praying. We're probably praying for like a good 30 minutes. You know, dad was sitting in a chair and I'm sitting next to her. Oh, she's laying down. I'm praying more and more like Jesus says, yeah, bring somebody up who will work with us and help us during this healing session. As I'm praying, all of a sudden I hear, is it okay if I interrupt you? And it wasn't the dad. And it wasn't me. It was this young woman all of a sudden pops up going, I'm like, oh my God, you know? This person hasn't been talking in sentences in a while. It was just like there were short one-word things, and they were, they were intermittent. And all of a sudden, I engaged in this dialogue with this person like, thank you, Holy Spirit, you brought somebody up. There was an identity there who could talk to us. And it was kind of like talking to a four-year-old. It makes me think like it was an identity. This may have been a Christian part or something, which is good, because they had discussions on about what, does life in eternity look like? I go, wow, this is a pretty fascinating discussion. You know? And so we talked off and on, and I probably had about half an hour discussion, and I was sitting there crying. I was trying to, I guess, I'm sorry, I tell the person, I'm sorry, I'm crying. I've never heard you talk before, and I'm probably working with you for like a month and a half, two months. You know, and it's like, and I kept tearing up, like, don't worry, it's just, this is good tears, these are good, don't freak out. <laughs> these are good tears, but we got you to talk. You know, that's, that's what it's like contending for a miracle. Now, to get there, we know witchcraft's involved. 
um, one of the identities did help us understand that, yeah, there was some witchcraft involved. And it did this. And so, which is interesting is because, let me rewind <laughs> back to the time and space to the, probably about two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, before I left for Texas to meet with um, um, the ladies at the shift and their their their, their musician group, the, the, the worship group, the, the Gather the People ministry team. I met with this individual on a Thursday. And ever since I've been free from a lot of the SRA, um, Satanic Ritual Abuse Ministry, i kind of been pulled offline for over a year now by Jesus because I had a lot of stuff going on from a... Uh, I endured so much spiritual attacks, kind of like Jesus had to bring the battleship into dry docks. Does that make sense? And reinforce the armor. And so Jesus pulled me out of it for like a year. So when I deal with Satanic Ritual Abuse... They do this thing, the witches do this thing where they call accessing, where they come into your dreams and try to attack you. And I'm more like the Chuck Norris in the superior realm, right? When they access me, they get clobbered, seriously clobbered. And I was kind of hoping all the accessing had shut down for me because I haven't had them over a year since I kind of God kind of pulled me in the dry dock and was doing the welding on my my hull, reinforcing the guns, putting the weaponry on, right? That sort of thing. Okay, I haven't been accessed in a while. Well, that Thursday night, I got accessed by something spiritual. And I know it was something to do with this young lady or who was trying to control her. And she got a sarcastic form of a whooping in the spirit realm, and that person disappeared. But I also saw her, her familiar spirit that was attached to this witch that was trying to access me. So... <laughs> While I'm talking, so fast forward now. Oh, no, no, let's not fast forward yet. Let's go to, so that's Thursday night. Friday, I think I landed in Texas, and I was going to go out to dinner with um, Megan um, and Derek Wright. And we were sitting down for dinner, and like, everything's fine. And all of a sudden, something, a demonic attack happens. I knew it was on witchcraft and the person I encountered in this, the spirit realm earlier the night before. Is um, it gives me a um, weird heartburn thing where this bubble develops right in the point where it clogs off my um, <laughs> my lungs like I'm passing out. I go, holy crud! What's going on here? What's happening? And I hear this voice in the back of my head. Oh, you gotta quit working here in Texas. You need to go to the hospital right now. You need to go to the hospital right now. These I've heard these demonic voices before. They they do stuff to me like they'll they'll do an attack like hurt my body somewhere. Oh, you need to go to the hospital. It's the same voice. I'm, I'm not going to the hospital. I know what you guys are. And I was trying to pray against it while I'm almost passing out and then they're looking at me at the dinner table like we're out in a restaurant right and this is going on and while i'm hearing you need to go to the hospital um my friend megan one of the people from the shift that brought me out the demonic voice telling her like oh you're responsible for this demonic attack on mike right now and you shouldn't have brought him out here and this is all your fault right and they're telling it and so we're going on the table and people are telling these demonic voices about what's going on with me and it's like of course we're riding home in the car. I, go, I think we need to go home. Something. I got. I got to go fight this. I have to. I'm sorry. I have to cut off. Cut off dinner. We have to go fight this. And Derek's a champion, man. He's helping me. Like I'm like turning all different shades of colors. Like this thing's going on. So Derek, you're awesome. You're awesome. My books, man. Derek Wright. He's the man. So um, while this is going on, I shared in the van. I go, yeah. This thing was telling me I had to go to the hospital. It's a lie. She goes, oh my. You know, Megan's driving. She goes, oh my god. This thing was telling me it was my fault. You're sick out here. And I go, no, no, no. Um, I'm battling one of my intercessors. <laughs> Right, I said I know what this is. I had an incursion last night, and I have to go finish this off. And we didn't. I never had any other incident after that where it got clobbered. Right, 
I think that whoever did that kind of learned their lesson not to try that anymore because um, I'm protected. But, you know, you, you can't take me anywhere. Either I'm seeing spirits or spirits are trying to attack me, right? It doesn't happen all the time. This was somebody didn't clearly understand the battlefield. And they're up against Jesus, not up against Mike. They're up against Jesus. Like I said, we're, Jesus and I were, were constantly in contact in his presence. And they'll get clobbered. So Interesting stuff, right? So that's where we're up. Fast forward to now. So now, yesterday I'm talking with this individual. And I go, oh, by the way, are you familiar with anybody with a white face and has like these really weird, deep blue demonic eyes? And it was like, I kind of got this look on my face like they recognize what I was talking about. And I go, well, they kind of visited me in the spirit realm a couple, couple of weeks back. And I said, they got a beating. They got a beating. So, And all of a sudden, this person goes, well, I don't want to embolden the W. which referring to witchcraft. I said, we're not emboldening it. I want to let you know we can fight this thing. And if that's what's locking you down, you know, um, Jesus gave me the Cat 11 super-sized bulldozer to plow through this stuff. So... If that's where we're at. So we had conversations about that too. Um, but yeah, I just want you to know, we've been contending. Every every ministry thing I'm bring, brought into, we're contending for a miracle. And this one was, we needed this person to talk. We're not there yet. We're not completely there yet. This is going to be a long road. If I can get her talking and she starts telling me what's going on here now, that'll work too. And I think she's on the safe side now with Jesus, where she understands that, you know, start trusting Jesus. And I told him that, like, I tell everybody who talks to me about this witchcraft, if you fear witchcraft, it can kill you. If you trust Jesus and you don't fear witchcraft, it can't harm you. I want you to make sense and ponder what that means because no weapon formed against you will prosper. Yeah, we say that in church all the time. What happens if you're going out to a restaurant with somebody and all of a sudden the witches, your witch's intercessor is there? The intercessors, I call them. They throw the mojo on you at the restaurant to try to choke you out spiritually so you pass out the dinner table. What do you do there? And you walk away and go, big deal. That's my attitude. Big deal. You know what? Because I know Jesus is going to do something. Jesus is going to send the message, you don't do this. I haven't had any retaliation since, and I haven't had any um, accessing since either. So I think they got the message loud and clear. Gosh, Mike, how do you do this? How do you know it? It's like, I don't know anything. I don't do anything. All I know is I constantly practice the presence of Jesus. Gosh, Mike, how do you protect yourself from demonic incursions? You say protection prayers? Do you put on your armor every day? No. Oh, by the way, you don't sleep naked. If you're in spiritual warfare, don't sleep naked. Don't take off your armor. You don't have to put it back on. What I do do is when something happens, I request Jesus to upgrade my armor. Right? I know somebody um, who took my class... Um, I don't want to say my class because it was me, me and Bill George. We, we put this class together, but I'm sorry. I'm so used to these things now. My, my, no, no. I'm working with other people now, so I got to spread the wings here. Uh, the class Bill George and I put together at Freedom Culture Church, and we worked with um, Pastor Marty Souza, who is an amazing person, amazing prophetic woman. If they took my class and somebody said, oh, I only got made to page 20 of your book because the part about where you're driving and the demons put you into a trance and you saw the demon next to you and you got in a car crash? You go, yeah, that happened. They go, that, that freaks me out. I go, but did you read the rest of it? What happened? That never happened to me ever again because I went into fasting. I talked to Jesus. I go, whatever this was. See, I didn't know how to do spiritual warfare. I, all I knew was I had to go to Jesus. And I said, whatever happened here, Jesus, I want to make sure this never happens to me ever again. It did. There was the rest of the story of that. 
I've never been to a trance, never been pulled anything like that again, and I've been impervious to a lot of this stuff. So don't fear it. And if you do fear it, you know, maybe God didn't call you into it. Don't don't be messing around with deliverance because you're stepping into MMA ring and you're gonna throw punches and they're gonna throw kicks back. You better make darn sure you can finish the fight. That's kind of where I'm at. I just I just know that Jesus will do something. And it's up to the people and other people involved whether they wanna invest the time and spiritual energy into seeing the, uh, you know, the reality manifest, the, the miracle manifest, you know, pull that from the heavenly realms. I don't say it's pulling it from the heavenly realms. I, bl- I believe more it's trusting Jesus. Like Jesus, I have no idea how long this is going to be for. You know, it's, I'm in it with you until you pull me. Or the person doesn't want it anymore. Early on, my night strike days around 2005, I didn't know the first thing about healing. I tell you, I, you guys know my story, right? I was in the, the front pew of the Frozen Chosen Church, and we didn't talk about healing. We didn't talk about prophetic ministry. We didn't talk about deliverance. We just went through verse by verse of the Bible, or sometimes the pastors got stuck in the book of John for eight months, or you know something like that. Typical church, right? So I knew the first thing about healing. When I got in the streets uh, with the homeless, you know, I had to learn real fast. I saw other people praying for people, and they were, they were getting healings. It was like, Sicknesses would leave. I saw bones heal. And I was witnessing my own eyes that some of the people that were just veterans of Night Strike. It was second nature to them. I go, how do I get there? It took me over a year of getting past my own, I guess, uh, deficiencies or own theology that was wrong about praying for healing or just got to the point where I just pray for somebody I knew something would happen. What's happening? I don't know. It could happen instantaneously. It can happen down the road, or you know, for some reason, it may never happen. And I was just at peace with that. And when I got to the peace of that point, where either it happens instantaneously, or you know, it does or doesn't, that's okay. That's between them and Jesus, the healing. And it was about because I was, you know, I was like super concentrating for maybe I just concentrate harder. This person will heal. It has nothing to do with us. Nothing. You have to remove yourself as the element. We're not the ones doing the healing. And. That was the secret right there. And I like I said, I've shared stories before. I prayed for somebody who had their, when I was in Guyana, South America, we did a night strike and took some of the Guyanese people out in one church and how to do a night strike and taught them. And I remember I was praying over one woman. I was praying and she was giving this weird look like, you know, she wasn't interested at all. And I go, I said to the people, okay, well, we prayed here. Let's move along. Because I only pray like two minutes over a person. You don't need to stay there. Oh, Lord. Oh, God, Jesus. Oh, Lord. No, it's the authority of Jesus Christ. I command healing where this person's hurting. And to, to leave and Holy Spirit come back, fill and fill this person and heal them of what's going on with their ailments. It's like that. It was like super short, right? We're not there for two minutes or everything because, you know, Jesus doesn't need us to do these prolonged prayers. It's just authoritative and quick to the point, right? Authority prayer posture. So I thought nothing happened there and I moved on. The next day, I'm in that church. We're talking about night strike and I was preaching. And they were doing these testimony things and they know this one woman showed up and then they recognized her as not being in their church. And they asked her, Oh, what brought you to church today? During her testimony thing goes that man up there at the pulpit. He prayed over me last night for my back to heal and my head to stop hurting. It hasn't stopped hurting for months. And all of a sudden it stopped. And I'm coming into church today because of Jesus. Like you're going, what? So I said, I almost wrote off that healing. I didn't think anything was happening. So the same thing here, you have to keep plowing forward under the assumption a miracle is going to happen. When you don't know, how you don't know, we're not in control. A lot of us like to take these um, 
So I kind of stay from the, some healing ministries where they say, oh, did you go to this one? Where they taught you how to heal, heal like a doctor. You pray for healing the blood cells. You pray for healing all the way through the body and all that stuff. I'm like, who cares if I know the body? Jesus knows it better than I do. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to submit an application. Hey, Jesus, you know, I'm petitioning you. You know, here's what's going on today. I, I know we didn't see much change, but I know you're going to finish in the healing God. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you for whatever little parts that's going on right now we're unaware of. But please continue this healing with this individual. That's pretty much how I pray and talk with them. I don't let it become a burden to me because I'm not the one that does the healing. I just kind of orchestrate and participate in what I am witnessing and where the Holy Spirit's leading me, if that makes sense. That makes your life so much easier when you're contending for miracles. I said, like, all my cases have been like this. This was, was most fascinating when we got this person who wasn't talking for months, started talking, have a conversation. Oh, in fact, <laughs> the, um, her dad sends me a thing like... Um, it's like a couple hours later, look, she's worshiping. She's singing and worshiping. We're going, what? You know, we aren't at 100% of the miracle. To me, we're probably at 1% of our miracle, but we got her talking. I, I, One of the things I needed for the rest of the healing and to deal with the trauma or deal with the SRA, if it was there or the witchcraft was, I needed this person to tell me the story. And they told me a little bit of it. They were kind of apprehensive because of what happened to them, not being able to talk about it or being fearful of talking of it. But we're at one percent of the healing. If that makes sense. Um, and still, I it's a praise the Lord. One percent to one hundred percent. It's the same like Jesus got to that one percent, right? And we need to get ninety percent. And I don't think we're going. You know, when you do healings like this, it's not like oh, we got two percent, oh, we got three percent, all the way down to one hundred percent. You'll get places where Jesus will take you twenty five percent, fifty percent, right? In healing in some sessions, so. I know a miracle's coming. It's just we can't exasperate the individual. And I've spoke with the parents about this too. Like, what do you want us to do? It's like for right now, just help her to keep herself present. And if she goes down, she's exhausted, let her go down. Let her just work on it um, when I return. But meanwhile, do not exasperate the individual who's working with us because they'll, they'll check out and not come back. So that's the key right there. So take the little wings you get. Praise the Lord Jesus. Seal it. Jesus, don't let this thing go backwards or sideways. And let's move forward, God. So you know, we're at the point now, we're hoping with the talking, I haven't got the praise report yet, but well, this individual has also a hard time taking care of themselves. That's why I needed the contingency plan in place too if something really went south. Um, but that's our next goal too. If we can keep this person talking, hearing from them, and getting their daily functions back in place. So the person hasn't fully woken up yet. I think we have a presenter that can talk like we requested and prayed for to help us guide us through this system if there is one, or if not, to help us understand what the problem is, work with the Holy Spirit to bring full healing. But this was miraculous in itself. There was no medication involved in stuff because the person questioned they're they done seeing this person medicated. And we were able to get a presenter up who can talk. And that's what it looks like contending for a healing. Like I said, I didn't go to the heavenly courts. I went on walks with Jesus. I went on drives with Jesus. So I was in Florida. I was doing other things. And I check in with Jesus. Go, hey, look, I'm away from this now. Help me understand what's going on. And he painted more pictures of it for me, what may be going on, which is what led me to the contingency plans um, in place. So he just wanted that all in place for us and to follow his direction, you know, in case something happens. But, you know, it's that's how you contend for a healing. When I was in Night Strike, you know, like I said, I was, I was seeing healings like, on the streets, I, I prayed for somebody. Like the first time through my prayers of prayer for healing, I saw somebody's bone heal. I saw it several times on Night Strike. I saw somebody's bone heal. I was more freaked out than they were. 
You know, it's like, what? Especially the first time it happened because it was, I knew I was pushing for healings, pushing for healings, and I wasn't seeing them under my own prayers and stuff. And all of a sudden it started happening. And I saw quite a few like fruit maladies, diseases, broken bones, bloods being clean, praying for cancer on the streets, all sorts of stuff. We're seeing healings. And when Jesus took me out of night strikes, I need you to shut this down because I need you somewhere else. You know what healing looks like. What happens if you didn't see that healing right away, like you see a night strike? What happens if you had to contend for fighting for healings or spiritual warfare or driving out demonic and it took more than a couple of visits? Well, if it took months, years, I need you to stay in the fight for months and years with individuals. Some of the satanic ritual abuse survivors we're contending for healings for over 10 years. We saw them. And a lot of people dropped out because they didn't want it bad enough. Does that make sense to you? People are going, oh my God, a Santa Cruz abuse survivor not wanting a healing? Because, yeah, because it took a lot to get to the healing. We had to go through a lot of junk, a lot of systems. And only the ones who were strong in Christ and could talk to him and could practice his presence. I teach all my people work to practice his presence. They're the ones that made it through. In fact, yesterday when I was with this, this young woman, while she was sleeping, I know parts were listening to me, I had Jesus go through her. It's like, Jesus, I want you to manifest inside to the parts and talk with them. Go to each one and like they'll let you in and go talk with them and minister to them. And so I was having this individual while they're laying there practice his presence. And when she could listen to me, and she was up, you know, a couple times visits before, we always started with, just like I do in um, uh, St. Teresa of Avila exercises, right? Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God, still your mind, shut down any voices, anything that's going on right now, and I want you to bring in Jesus. And because this person may have been ritually abused, there was a trigger on the word Jesus, so we, we moved to some other identifiers of him um, to do this. But... Yeah, it's. We got her to practice his presence. I think that helped a lot because a lot of times when she checks out, she can go sit with Jesus. We had some of her parts sitting with Jesus for a while. So I know there's parts there too. I also believe there's some sort of psychosis from the severe trauma. I believe there was a severe trauma to program this person as an adult, right? To get them to comply. I don't know how it was done yet. I need to hear this person's story to see whether it's his ritual abuse or some sort of trauma. But the data coming out now, there was witchcraft involved here. So, so yeah, it was cool to see this um, healing come through. I want you guys to know what it looks like. You have to be in the battle for a while. And a lot of it is who you are in Christ. It's like, I know my identity. I know Jesus. I know he's right there, thick and thin. I know Jesus is going to do something. I don't know what he's going to do. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. And I approach the king as such during healing. I mean, he's good friends with me. He's like a spouse to me. He's all sorts of things. But dark warfare and tending for healings, I'm going to the king. It's like, was it King Darius or who is it with, um, with Esther? You approach the king. You care for how you talk to king. This is back to St. Teresa Avligan, right? Be careful who you talk to and how you approach him in protocol. We're contending for a healing. This is this. I'm approaching him as a king. Like, Lord Jesus, we need this. We need this healing. You know, please help us with it. I know you're doing something. I don't. You know, you're your mystery, and I know things are going to happen. I'm going to stay in this fight. And sometimes we got to pray for strength for ourselves and for the individuals involved to make it through this trial. Because this is one huge big trial. There's that word again too, right? So you have to operate in humility. You know, 
was like, this is all Jesus. That's why I try to help healing with people. I'm not, I'm not healing. Jesus is doing the healing. We're walk, working with him. And we don't know the outcome on this, but we have to stay with him until we see the full healing we're expecting. And that's not word of faith. That's, that's, I'm on the trust side. I trust Jesus, you know. Word of faith is where, Jesus, give me an Escalade. You know, that's that's word of faith. Like, no, I'm not there at that. Jesus doesn't provide, you know, wealth or cars. You know, I've been in these battles for a long time. And I've had to live off provision and humility because the level of depths of the supernatural we're dealing with, where God reminds me, oh, hey, everything you got, it's because I give it to you. So we can't go out and go, hey, you know, I took these self-help things and I learned how to be a millionaire. I may trade stock and everything else, and my money is not great right now. I have several, lots of little businesses trickling in money, and we don't make a lot over here. You know, it's just enough to survive, but it keeps me in ministry too. So word of faith, no. Um, trust the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, because I have to. And it's just a different lifestyle in this ministry. You, you have to live off provision. And, you know, like I said, sometimes it hurts me too because, like I said, Jesus, you know, if I walked away from all this, like I said, I, I got a degree in quantum computer programming. I can make lots of money. I can make lots of money in the stock market. But Jesus is in control of everything right now and how things flow in. And that's the way he wants it. So I have to be on board with him and trust him in those areas. And just, it is what it is, guys. So I hope this helps you and inspires you. I know a lot of people, when you're dealing with mental wellness issues like this, what we're dealing with too, they usually run to me, help me, help me, help me. I know a lot of charismatics. They, they're they very fickle. They're like moths running from light bulb to light bulb of healing. My only thing here is I'm just a person. You know, I, I have pains in my body, arthritis, all this good stuff. I'm like stuff I wish Jesus would take away. And there's Jesus took away my asthma. That's great and all. But there's some stuff I'm still dealing with he won't take away. Or we're in a long-term healing of it. I don't know what it is. But I always have to do is I trust him. I trust things are going to happen the way he wants them to happen. I trust he's going to bring healings. And you have to be like that. You can't trust the healing minister to be God. You can't put them up on the pedestal or say they're the co-redemptor or the co-healer because that's the way a lot of these charismatic healing ministries are right now. Come learn how to heal somebody. And I know when I talk about deliverance ministries and my, when I go teach classes, people are going, oh, did you take this class? Did you take this class? Did you know this person, this person? And you're going, what? You know, do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, you don't need to take all those stupid classes. You know, my only class was just to teach him, like, here's protocol. When you pray, that's all you need to know. Understand, this is in heavenly realms. You can't go up there, petition Jesus. And this is our dominion over the earth. And we have a spiritual authority over that. A, B, A, B, which, one, which, which realm are you working in? And like when I'm working with satanic abuse survivors, I'm working in both realms. The heavenly realms where I petition Jesus. And say, hey, Jesus, please remove this powers or something in place. Or I'm dealing with something demonic or familiar spirit. I bind you in the authority of Jesus Christ not to report back to what you're seeing. And I command you to go. It's it's that. It's not that hard. So I think we over-inundate ourselves, making ourselves fluff up in pride. I took this class from this person, this class from this person. Well, how do you know they're right? You know, it's doc- When it becomes doctrinal, it's wrong. You, When I'm working with Jesus in each case, I don't have an idea of the outcome. There's no methodology. I show up, I pray, I assess, and I assist the people with what I know of how Jesus moves to these operations. And it's mainly to maintain their lifestyles and to relieve pressure from them until the, the healing fully comes through. So I know um, I've dealt with 
autistic people, you know, the charismatics like, pray for my son, pray for my son. Yeah, okay, I will. But if you're spending all that time going from healing ministry to healing ministry rather than just contending with a miracle for Jesus, you're spinning your wheels in the mud. I would spend your time contending for a miracle and make sure you know Jesus, know who he is in your life, and don't obsess over the healing of that individual and don't exasperate them. Because many times by the time I get to see the person, they've been exasperated by healing ministry and they don't want anything to do with Christians or Jesus because they've been, okay, Jesus doesn't love me because I receive the healing, right? And that's the wrong approach. The approach is Jesus absolutely loves them. I always tell people that when, you know, like that's some of the message I was giving yesterday to this young woman while she slept. I go, you know, Jesus absolutely loves you. I hear from Jesus and I know you're here from Jesus. I just want you to confirm the word too that he absolutely loves you and that he brought this team together to heal you and help you. But we need you to fight with us. We need you to come up and fight with us, whoever it is who's going to fight. We need that person on board. And then when the person woke up, I told him again, their eyes, directing the eyes. I go, you know, I hear from Jesus and I know you hear from Jesus. I'm hearing he absolutely loves you. He wants you to see you healed and whole. And now we're at right now is with, was it John 5, the, where Jesus shows up to the, the guy at the Bethesda well over the bath and uh, the angel stirs the water. He's like, you know, every time the water stirs, nobody puts me in. And Jesus goes, do you want to be well? Well, yeah. And so that's the same thing here. You have to tell this person, like, if you want to be well, this is back to the, um, John 5, and they, this individual knew scripture, so which is amazing. She knows what he's talking about. If you want to be well, you got to pick up your mat and walk. In other words, you got to participate in the healings with us so we can get you there. That's what it looks like. It's just a long, drawn-out battle where you trust Jesus. Like, oh, God, what if I look and... You know, that was one of the things I was thinking, too. What's so embarrassing? What if I, what if I didn't get a healing? You know, what if he didn't? Who cares? And... It was that pride thing. You got to be removed from pride. Back to St. Teresa of Avila. You got to be operating humility. It's like, I tell people, I have no idea which direction this is going to go. I'm honest with them. I'm honest. Just don't, because I think out of our own pride, our own fear, we go, oh yeah, this person's going to get healing. Jesus is going to heal this person. Well, yeah, it's in the Bible, but I want to make sure these people are on board with not over expectations that now become mics here. There's a healing is going to happen. That's not it. It's a teamwork and we have to work together and prep each other. Like I said, we had the phone calls. So I think we're going. How do you guys feel like we're going with this? And what do we hear, feel like we're hearing from Jesus? You know, and stuff like that. And, and furthermore, too, regarding hearing Jesus, you need to hear Jesus. As I keep, if you don't hear from Jesus, go read Mark Verkler or go see the videos he has on the four keys for hearing God. You have to hear from God. And if you're in a situation like this, I strongly recommend you knock it, lock it down and don't let others in. So many times, ministry like this, or contending for a hearing miracle, gets derailed because the people get over-anxious, waiting for a miracle, and they go talk to the brother who hears from God, and that man or woman screws stuff up so bad because they don't hear from God, it can totally derail your stuff for weeks or months or totally pull the person out. Case in point, I worked with somebody, like I said, who voodoo locked down their, their parts. After we got the parts talking to us, like three weeks later, I know the occult sent a Jezebel in. I told this person, oh, everything you worked on with Mike was all an illusion. They could talk all along. And this person told me this, and they're going, well, I feel that. I go, do you really believe that? Why would you know you were here over these past two months? We worked about every three days a week with getting your parts to talk. They were locked down. Now you believe it as an illusion? You believe it because somebody gave you a thing? So I know it was a witchcraft um accessing thing that did this 
And so I let that person, you know, go on their merry way. Fine. If you think that's what that is, go ahead. And they try to contact me later. Wait, wait, wait. I know I already took on another case. So it's, if you hear my podcast um, last episode, I was talking about the cleansing streams, the pastor who brought around that woman he thought he could hear from God and she was given nothing but like these <laughs> horrible, horrible prophetic messages that were demonic. It was like, it was like an unfortunate cookie, right? Or misfortune cookie. That was how I described that prophetic person. The same thing. You don't trust people in church when you're at this level of battle warfare. You lock down your team and you trust them and you don't go outside of it for prayer requests or help or anything. You lock it down. If people want to pray. No, no, I got people praying this right now. It's okay. Because you don't know how people are going to pray or at this point in time, you don't know if they're tapping into new age stuff. It's it's gotten bad, especially in California. I don't trust anybody. Um, I have a few people out here I trust, I pray with. And other than that, but prophetic ministry has been derailed. It's horrible out here. So it was deliverance ministry, but deliverance ministry has been derailed and horrible everywhere too. So I only lock it down a few prophetic ministers. And if you're in a situation contending for a miracle, you lock it down. No other outside people, no other information. And it just... Now is the time you have to learn to trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit and what they're going to do and trust them. And healings don't come right away. That's what's called contending for a miracle. You're pulling this miracle down from the heavenly realms. I don't even think that's quite true. It's you're working with the one inside you, Jesus Christ, in your temple. And you're working with him there face to face on on healing and just being intimate with him and talking with him. And just know it's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, but it will happen. You'll see a miracle. And that's just where we're at right now. And the church doesn't like that. We're into the fast food. Go get trained up. Go get certified. And you'll see a miracle in 24 hours. It doesn't work that way. Especially with these darker, darker things that deal with the occult. And what's interesting is once I start seeing miracles in my belt that I've contended for over the years, when I deal with the witchcraft in the spirit realm, they're kind of like, oh my God. This dude who shut stuff down through Jesus. He's walking with Jesus, and we want no warfare with Jesus right now. We want no battle with Jesus. And if they don't know who Jesus is, then they, they find out the hard way. Just the way, same way Pharaoh did. Their heart's hardened. They're going to find out the hard way. Anyhow, I hope this helps you. Um, that's what it looks like continuing for a miracle. A lot of it's prayer time. The time you spend talking with the innermost person you love the most is Jesus Christ inside you. He's real. He's there. His presence is there. I call it almost symbiotic, right? He has to be symbiotic with your thoughts and what's going on. And you walk with him and you have conversations, go out for walks, go out for drives and just talk with him. You know, And that's how we do it. It's mental prayer, a lot of mental prayer. And that's how you contend for miracles and trying to stay up to speed with what Jesus is doing. Hope you learned a lot here. Um, hopefully I didn't ramble on this, but I thought that was a really cool amazing miracle to have happen. That's like the second time we had to deal with witchcraft. They shut down parts and made them so they couldn't talk. It gets pretty harsh or make them do horrible things to their programming. So that's that. Um, I love you guys. And this will be hosted on a field guide to spiritual warfare.blogspot.com. You'll go find the recordings there and maybe some, I don't know how many show notes to this one today. This is the fireside chat. So kick back, enjoy yourself and, if this is a spot you're in, you don't need to reach out to other people. You don't need to call Mike. Yeah, my son does have autism. Mike, can you join him? Like, I don't do that that much anymore because I said, I'm still recovering some, some battle wounds myself. And God has taught me a lot in this season about how to really dig in and fight for healings where it's not a burden on yourself and it frees up your life. 
In other words, I trust Jesus to do the miracles now, which has been a whole different aspect of my prayer life. Where I used to take the burden on, like, Jesus, come on, come on, we got to do this, we got to see this, come on, let's fight this. It's like, I'm not there anymore like that. It's just, it, it sucked too much life in me, especially after doing over 100 Stanek Ritual Abuse Survivors. It did, it literally sucked the life out of me. And between doing those battles, dealing with the witchcraft that was thrown at me from <laughs> their parts and stuff, it just, God had to pull me off the side and dry dock me and re- rework the battleship with new equipment, new warp engines, whatever you want to call it. And I'm doing things differently now. A lot differently where I just let Jesus do all the work. I'm at peace with it. So when I show up, I don't have the burden. Oh my gosh, what happens if we don't get a miracle today? I don't care. Because I'm not the one doing the miracle. I'm just the one to show up. And God's inside me some gifts on how to work with stuff like this. And I work on those areas and listen to Jesus, what he wants me to do at those times. Sometimes they give me a, something prophetic word to say to get the person to spark up. Like, oh my gosh, you are hearing from Jesus, right? Because I have to tell this person... They're also hearing voices, and I think the psychosis part is listening to voices. And so I have to gently go in and start doing the spiritual surgery where spiritual discernment surgery, where this is Jesus, this is not, this is Jesus, this is not, and do it with grace. So this person comes back online, just goes, Well, if I can't hear Jesus, why am I doing with any of this? Right? You don't want that. You don't want them to quit on you. So that's where we're at with that, guys. I love you guys. This is uh Mike from the M16 bunker here, you know, the old M16 bishop, right? <laughs> Hanging here at the bunker. And until next time, like I said, if you like our show, um, go ahead and like it on whatever podcast um, streaming you listen on and um, invite some friends. Come look at me. We'll get up to six listeners a dog next episode. Who knows? And like I said, um, we could always use financial help. And if you go to Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare at blogspot.com, there's, um, there's a button down there, a way to give for PayPal. We'd like that too, because we really could use help and gas money and stuff like that and getting around we need to get around to. And it's just been amazing. And it's just been an amazing summer. And I got something coming up in December. And I'm just hoping Jesus releases me into. I don't want to talk about it yet. But because it's a dark area I'm going into, a very dark one that I'm hoping Jesus will do some provision there and get me to where I need to go and work on this. But that's that, guys. I love you guys. You're amazing. Until next time. Amen.